You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guest on this episode of Talking Taiwan is Anthony Cao, one of the co-founders of Cinema Escapist, which I found has some really great reviews and recommendations of films from and about Taiwan. Cinema Escapist also covers films from all around the world and takes a look at the social and political context of films. Next week, we'll have Anthony back to recommend films for people wanting to know more about Taiwan. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Thank you, Felicia. Let's start from the beginning. Where did your interest in film or cinema come from? Did you formally study it, or is it more of a personal interest? Yeah, um, so I don't actually come from a formal film background. I never really thought of becoming a filmmaker while growing up or even writing about film, Uh, and I did not actually formally go into film studies uh, for you know my college time. Um, I actually come from more of a history and international relations background. So my academic background is in modern Chinese history. Um, but I've always been pretty interested in learning about different parts of the world. Uh, I was a pretty big geography and history buff as a kid. And I ended up realizing that film actually happens to be a very convenient way to basically explore the world when you watch a movie from somewhere else. Uh, it's like traveling without having to play for a plane ticket. So, you know, I, I remember in high school, there was a, yeah, this is a while back, this was a, a German movie called Goodbye Lenin, uh, mm-hmm. which was about the, um, it's a, a, a take on, basically the collapse of the Berlin Wall through the eyes of a son whose mother basically goes into a coma uh, right as before the wall falls and then he has to recreate East Germany um, uh, so that she doesn't you know, die from shock after waking up from the coma. Um, and that was probably like a, you know, I, I cite that as an entry point to realizing, wow, you know, film is such a powerful tool for learning about the world because that launched me, you know, on a little journey to learn more about East Germany and history and the politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really links to um, Cinema Escapist's unique editorial ethos. Like we're a publication that's focused on the social and the political context about international films in particular. Uh, and I think what's different between us and traditional film critics or commentators is that we don't just write about film um, from a perspective of whether it's good or bad. Uh, We aspire to write about to what extent and also in what ways a film is societally significant. Um, And we aspire to have film be a medium and an opportunity through which you can build understanding across cultures. Yeah, that's interesting, because when I came across Cinema Escapist, I looked at some of the things that you've written about, and I noticed it's really not about writing a review or saying, like, is this movie good or bad, or, like, doing a critique. Um, And can you tell me about your interest in Taiwanese film? I noticed that you have a lot of really great commentary and um, even some lists of the best movies for certain years, best Taiwanese films. Where does that come from, and what's your favorite Taiwanese film or film about Taiwan? Yeah, so my family is Taiwanese, so it sort of creates a a bias there. Mm. Um, We would inevitably end up watching uh, movies and TV shows from Taiwan, just in a family setting. Um, I went back to Taiwan pretty often 
um, while growing up. So actually, I feel like I probably watched more movies and TV in Taiwan um, <laughs> during my upbringing than in the U.S. because. I think in Taiwan you just have cable um, more easily accessible than in the U.S. Um, and it would always be during uh, break times like summers uh, where you know I didn't have to study as much. So I think that Taiwanese film, Taiwanese television, and media in general is a pretty natural part uh, of you know just like my personal background. Um, I also ended up. Actually, taking a class uh, in my undergrad about Taiwanese film and literature, um, and that was a pretty eye-opening uh, opportunity to think about film at the intersection of Taiwanese politics and culture in a more critical way. So, you know, to your question about like what is my favorite Taiwanese film or film about Taiwan. It's very hard to choose, but if I were to define that as you know a film that uh, has particular significance, um, I would I would say E.E. by Edward Yang does have a you know interesting level of significance for me because it was one of those it was a film that I analyzed for that class uh, from the perspective of uh, how it reflects Taiwan and Japan relations uh, through the way that it structures a narrative and 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 um, the story there. Uh, and I think that like, you know, that personal background as well as you know, having some, uh, some amount of academic grounding ended up going into this whole cinema escapist, uh, direction where, you know, as you saw, we, we have a fair amount of Taiwan film coverage. Um, and you know, sometimes like we might be the only or the first, uh, publication to cover a Taiwanese film or TV show. Um, and that was part of born out of a realization that you know, we have a competitive advantage in that regard. Like I could watch Taiwanese or, you know, like Chinese films as well uh, before they get English subtitles and also be able to illuminate their cultural, historical and political context in a way that is uh, pretty different and you know, arguably more authentic than most commentators in the U.S. or just writing in the English language in general. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm curious. That's very unusual to have a film class specifically on Taiwanese film, of all things. Um, where did you go for your undergrad? Yeah, so this is Berkeley. Oh, wow, cool. Do, do they still have that class? Do you know? Uh, I... It's curious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know if they still have the class. Yeah. Uh, the professor who teaches it is still there. His his very um, has a lot of background mm -hmm. uh, about Taiwan. Mm -hmm. um, really passionate. So, yeah, um, may, maybe it's still going on. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to check <laughs> for anyone interested. <laughs> Great. So, um, so you do make a point of keeping up with Taiwanese cinema and films. And so, um, do you go to any special lengths to stay abreast of uh, what's going on with Taiwanese cinema? And do you have a story of how you've gone to lengths to do that? Um, I think that it might be a little bit more mundane than <laughs> uh, folks might think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, generally, you know, I'll keep track of what's going on in Taiwanese cinema and, and the media space. I feel there are definitely people who do it better than I do because you know I am not always in Taiwan and it's just so much easier mm -hmm. uh, if you're there and in the know. Um, but um, 
you know, I, I think like the mundanity of it is really, uh, you know, you can look out for Taiwanese films at festivals. Like we will cover a lot of festivals and uh, and we'll have contacts with uh, PR firms or distributors. Um, And whenever a Taiwanese title comes up, we'll obviously pay special attention to it. Um, Or at least I will. We also have other writers who are actually also Taiwanese American or based in Taiwan. So there's definitely just like a level of personal interest uh, because we aim to really cover films where people can speak uh, well about the social and the political context. So, you know, there's there's definitely that dimension of just the everyday operations of the organization. Um, personally, as well, I just happen to read a lot of news, um, you know, from and about Taiwan um, and have friends just, you know, there uh, or posting on social media uh, and we'll just hear about things. Um, so that's that's a great way to get a stream of information that's independent from the uh, or not exactly independent, but maybe uh, to complement the whole festival PR dimension. Because uh, if you think about talking about film from a social and a political perspective, uh, you know, you don't it's not sufficient to just care about what Western art audiences might think. Uh, knowing about what impacts a film is actually making on the society that it is coming out from or targeted to is also fairly important from our perspective. And um, I'm wondering, um, you mentioned that there's not many other outlets um, covering Taiwanese films specifically, but would you have any recommendations of any English language websites or publications that do a good job of covering Taiwan? I'm just curious. Yeah, um, New Bloom is one of them, mm-hmm. newbloom.net, mm-hmm. uh, run by folks actually based in Taiwan, but all in English, although they do have some Chinese language. Um, the News Lens International is another one. Um, and uh, Commonwealth Magazine is mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. Uh, I think they publish less often in English, but mm-hmm. uh, they have more uh, long form, in depth coverage. Um, of Taiwan issues, not exclusive to film, like none of these publications are exclusive to film, but I think they have, they do a pretty good job of um, just generally um, keeping people abreast of Taiwan and uh, the social, political, and also cultural scenes in the English language. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, I I should have been more specific. I also meant like Taiwanese film specifically. Do you have any recommendations there? Uh, for for like places to learn about Taiwanese film specifically. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I think like when when I said earlier about how oftentimes we are maybe like the only or one of the few publications that end up covering many Taiwanese films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like New Bloom oftentimes is like the second publication mm. besides uh-huh, us uh-huh. Uh, who will end up writing about a film uh-huh. um, from Taiwan. And I know they just started a arts-focused, like a sister publication called yeah. No Man is an Island. Huh. So that might be worth following. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, like, honestly, I don't think there are that m- that many, if any, publications in the English language that cover Taiwanese film exclusively. Mm-hmm. There are definitely Taiwan film-focused uh, festivals mm-hmm. that occur mm-hmm. both in Europe and in North America. I think you actually had the folks from the um, 
I think a festival in Austin, yes. uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes. on this show. Um, so yeah, uh, there are definitely festivals and events, um, and like Taiwan's Ministry of Culture does have, I think, a film portal somewhere that does have information about um, some of the releases. It's more focused for industry folks, though, so not necessarily your layperson viewer. No, I, I hadn't come across any, so I was just curious about that. You guys are definitely in a very specific niche, and I'm, sur- I'm sure that's good. For- do you consider yourself a cinephile, and what do you think makes someone a cinephile? Yeah, so... I, I think those two questions are very linked in the sense that whether or not I consider myself a cinephile is really dependent on how you define what a cinephile is. Um, if you think of the simplest definition of a cinephile, that could be someone who enjoys movies. And in that sense, I'm a cinephile, and probably most people are cinephiles. It's really hard to find somebody who doesn't enjoy movies. But a maybe more fitting definition or a definition that folks uh, probably latch on more to is someone who's really obsessed with movies. And in that sense, I could also be a cinephile in the sense that I'm obsessed with movies in that I write about them very often. But I tend to obsess over very different details from traditional cinephiles. So if you draw a contrast there, most cinephiles probably approach films from a more purely artistic or entertainment-based or a fan-based perspective. They might obsess over whether one film is better than another. They might form somewhat tribal attachments to particular actors or directors. And my approach is perhaps more analytical in the sense that I do still care about artistic and entertainment value but more in terms of how they influence the societal value of a particular film or show. Mm. And I would imagine um, some cinephiles may also look at more technical aspects of the way that the film is shot, like cinematography or technical things. Yeah, definitely. I think I would lump that under what I described as artistic. Like We will still look at that in Mm -hmm. a sense that um, how you choose to make artistic uh, decisions for a film, the cinematography of a film does end up affecting the social perception and the narrative and like historiography that a particular title might convey. So does a film as a media appeal to you more than other mediums like let's say books or television and why or why not? Yeah, so one note, Cinema Escapist actually covers both films and TV. We kind oh. of lump those together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to learn about some interesting Taiwanese shows with social and political significance, like we do that too. But to your original question, I, I think each medium has their benefits. I'm not particularly territorial about one medium or another. Film, to me, has a unique selling point in that, at least right now, it's the most immersive medium, um, you know, until VR becomes mainstream, perhaps. Uh, It is a comprehensive construction of a virtual world that you can put out there for mass consumption. And in that sense, it's a really effective way to introduce ideas and also build empathy with a broad and common layperson audience. So there's like a famous quote from uh, Jean-Luc Godard, who's like famous French director, uh, like cinema is truth at 24 frames per second. And that 
to us is like really relevant in an interesting way at Cinema Escapist in the sense that like, you know, we really believe in that. Like cinema is a way to convey the perception of truth. Um, and that's why it is so intertwined, at least in my opinion, with politics and society. Like governments will use cinema, invest in visual mediums in order to build soft power, convey a particular message. You'll see this in, you know, not just places like North Korea or China, but like the soft power of South Korea, for example, um, is something that is really intertwined with like the film industry and the television industry. So in that regard, I think that that's why we end up choosing to focus on cinema and television, because it is such a powerful tool to look at things uh, and, and like uncover the context and the details behind people's perception of truth. So for people who don't know, um, well, we've you've already talked about um, what Cinema Escapist is and what and a little bit of the idea behind it. But I'm wondering if you would talk about how you got started with it, like what was the original idea about it, and what you hope to accomplish with it. Yeah. Um, so Cinema Escapist was founded in the fall of 2014, and honestly, at that point, it was more of a way to keep myself intellectually occupied. Um, I just wanted an outlet to be able to keep my writing skills from atrophying. And I happened to already be watching a lot of international films and television shows, already very interested in international relations and politics um, and history. And I realized maybe to feel less guilty about spending all that time watching movies, I should write about them. So I got the site started um, and pretty soon afterwards ended up bringing aboard a couple of friends that I know. Uh, for example, Richard is one of our co-founders, uh, like he's actually the co-founder of a web design company that I did uh, even before Cinema Escapist. So um, just folks that I knew who also had uh, an interest in international affairs, not necessarily film to start with, but more of the international affairs and uh, history and even political economy as a background. Um, and you know that ended up shaping the way that the organization ended up evolving in the sense that you know we ended up just by virtue of not having formal film backgrounds, leaning more into the, hey, wait a second, we're from, a different background that you can still equally validly talk about films in a critical way through. And um, at the outset, most of us were from an Asian cultural background as well. So we realized that we could be, we, we were in a unique position of cultural ambassadorship as far as talking about these films from not just Taiwan, but also China, Hong Kong, uh, Japan, South Korea, India, um, and that was sort of the the core area that we started growing out from. Um, then we really didn't start professionalizing the publication until decently later. Um, and there's a fun Taiwan connection to this. So in December of 2016, the news lens, which I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, actually reached out to us and asked if we were interested in doing an article sharing partnership. And at this time, this was still just like a very fly-by-night operation, even more so than it is right now. And we realized, wait a second, there are people who are 
actual venture-backed publications, startups, media, new media organizations, what what you call them, um, who are interested in our work. Maybe we should invest in this and uh, be a little bit more serious. Um, but it took us actually another year until we incorporated as a nonprofit in 2018. Mm -hmm. So this was like the route 2017, we were starting to really do some more intentional interviews and uh, structure organization, build out other regions besides East Asia. Um, and 2018, we started really recruiting staff and editors for even more sections and solidifying our mission to explore and connect the world through a cinematic lens and formalize that through all of that 501c3 US nonprofit incorporation process. And to your sub question of like where where do we see ourselves going, I think that ultimately the vision is to become a cultural institution that is able to help build bridges and understanding across cultures through this cinematic lens. So whatever happened with the partnership with NewsLens, did that happen? Yeah, it, it did happen. Uh, so for 2016, 20, or I guess like late 2016, um, I actually went and visited uh, them in Taiwan because I conveniently happened to be in Taiwan right. in December. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a really funny happenstance. Um, but yeah, it did end up, end up happening, um, and uh, we, we had articles shared out. Are you still currently sharing articles with them? Not right now, mm -hmm. but um, like the editor actually that we were in contact has changed, uh, but I, I do know the new editor. Um, so we don't actively do the article sharing right now, um, but like we're definitely still in touch. Uh, and yeah, it's like a very small world of folks who end up covering, um, you know, Taiwan issues and Taiwan cinema in the English language. Right. I love the name Cinema Escapist. Is there a story behind that name? Not particularly. I think that the name is the, the word escapist in a name more comes from the sentiment that film is a way to help. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's like traveling the world without actually buying a plane ticket. So mm -hmm. in that sense, it is a way to escape. But like, as we've leaned more into the social and political dimension of things, there's maybe a little bit of irony in that. In that <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, there's some people like you could argue more like artistic or fan based cinephiles who are very, very against blending uh, politics and social critique uh, with the cinematic medium. Uh, so for them, perhaps the escapist word uh, may be a little bit more interesting. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that, uh, you know, it does capture some of the sentiment that we're trying to convey as far as film uh, as a medium of exploration and cultural connection. Um, and so what are some of the challenges um, in setting up Cinema Escapist or running it? Because I understand that aside from what you do with Cinema Escapist, you do have a day job. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you manage these two things? Yeah, so um, it's very appropriate that you ask about those things together because I feel our two main challenges are one, balancing day jobs and two, motivating a 100% volunteer staff. So um, 
in terms of balancing day jobs, everyone who writes for Cinema Escapist, me included, has a day job of some sort. And that creates a lot of practical constraints because a lot of film institutions or events like festivals assume that people are just doing this full time or just have a lot of money sitting around to be able to just fly to Cannes and go and watch movies all day. Um, and it also makes our time a lot more valuable in the sense that we don't have time to waste because that means we might do worse at our day jobs, can't pay the rent, uh, and you know, we'll have to think a lot more about the impact that we make with every single action. Um, in terms of like keeping a volunteer staff, I think that like is a is a a later atop of that because you need to ensure that people are still motivated and the impact dimension of that really uh, intersects with that because the way you keep people motivated is to ensure that whatever you're doing is intentional, impactful, and rewarding for not just the organization but for the person doing it as well. So in that sense, to connect with the point around my day job, my day job is actually in software product management. and. For folks who aren't as familiar with the tech industry, the product management role involves basically figuring out the right thing to build and then empowering your team to get it built right. So it's like build the right thing, build it right. And that's almost exactly like what we have to do at Cinema Escapist, except for instead of building software, we are creating uh, cultural outputs. and. The other aspect of product management is that people describe that as a position where you have all the responsibility and none of the authority. And that intersects very well with the fact that we are a completely volunteer organization. Uh, you don't have hard levers like money that a traditional organization might, and you need to rely on a lot of more creative ways to keep people motivated and ensure that the organization is headed in a direction that is most impactful. Um, so then my question would be, would you like to be able to do what you do with Cinema Escapist full-time, and have you thought about how to do that? Yeah, I think that also depends on how you define what I do with Cinema Escapist. <laughs> if you define that as writing and exploring the world, of course, I would love to do that full-time. That's <laughs> like It's hard to think of um, someone who would pass that up. Uh, if you think about Cinema Escapist as basically product managing and growing a business, like I'm already doing that full time, but not necessarily all for Cinema Escapist. Uh, so I think that with uh, operating in the media space and also as a nonprofit and also within this very niche sort of space, money is always a thing that makes a difference. It is hard to start a publication uh, that will make a lot of money. And I think it's more of a personal and a you know, collective trade-off for an organization as far as, you know, to what extent people are willing to end up like taking a pay cut and, you know, see where that goes full time. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what the future holds. Mm -hmm. Great. So what have been some of the highlights of being involved with Cinema Escapist for you personally? Like, what have you learned? Have you come across any interesting people or experiences? 
Yeah, Cinema Escapist has been a really great way to not just learn about the world, but from a very practical perspective, connecting back to the previous point around day job and software product management, also meeting very interesting people outside of the tech bubble. Um, some of the more memorable experiences in terms of interesting people, like there's just a lot of like filmmakers or um, like a writer pool is also composed of very interesting people that I may not have been able to meet had I not started the organization. Uh, but like, for example, we've interviewed the president of Ukraine. Uh, like I've also interviewed uh, Hong Kong democracy activist Joshua Wong. And we end up, because of our social and political focus, being able to talk to not just filmmakers, but also folks in the political dimension. So as like a Taiwan-specific aside, um, I didn't do this, but one of our writers actually ended up interviewing Freddie Lim, who is a pretty famous legislator in Taiwan. He's like a former, or he still, he still does music. He's a, a death metal musician who got elected to Taiwan's parliament. And she actually went to his parliamentary office and did the interview, and that was pretty cool. Um, like I've also had the opportunity to do a Q&A and moderate for the director of like, the Great Buddha Plus, as one example. That was Taiwan's submission to the Oscars in, I believe, 2018. And the reason why the director was going around the US uh, and like I got the opportunity to do that was because distribution companies will book out theaters um, to show people who are part of the whole Oscar voting cohort these movies. Uh, and I guess bring along the directors and uh, have some nice conversation and buzz around that. So it's been very interesting to see the inside aspects of not just the cinematic industry, but also political dimensions as well. And there's always really cool connections to Taiwan. How has Cinema Escape has changed since you first started it? Well, it's certainly grown a lot. At first in 2014, it was just me. Now there's a couple dozen people who have written for us at any point. And that means we've had to scale out a lot of operations as well as think more like an institution. We, as I mentioned, aspire to be a cultural institution. So every time someone calls us a blog instead of a publication, we know we still have a lot of work to do. And that's really been the sentiment that keeps us going and keeps us focused on the ultimate impact in the end. I think that over the years, it's also been a learning experience to navigate that Venn diagram of politics and history buffs in one circle and maybe more artistic and fan-focused cinephiles in the other circle. Our ideal target audience is probably people who are into both, but that's not everybody. Uh, that's a very niche within a niche sort of situation. And I think that bridging both demographics with the medium of writing reviews and interviews in particular can be interesting to navigate in the sense that reviews and interviews cater to cinephiles a lot better than folks who are politics and history buffs. So one of the things that we are starting to evolve more on is how can we capture better both of those circles of that Venn diagram as opposed to you know just the intersection or just the cinephile section. And I think that that's essential for us to do because 
that really helps us better fulfill our mission of exploring and connecting the world through a cinematic lens. We need to talk about not just the film dimension, but also ensure that we're doing enough on the uh, society and the politics. Interesting. Very well put. So I understand that you also have some plans to possibly go into podcasting. Yes, this is perhaps us riding the whole pandemic trend, but in light of the whole um, two parts of the Venn diagram strategic thinking that I was just referencing earlier, we are thinking that the podcast medium is a great place to explore some of some ideas to appeal to an even broader range of audiences besides those who are hardcore cinephiles. We have a sister podcast in the works. The tentative name is Cinema Embassy. Mm. It's still very early. The idea could entirely change by the time this episode comes out. (laughs) But (laughs) currently, we're we're actually thinking that uh, for each season of this podcast, we'll focus on a particular country or region. And then in every episode, we can use movies and TV shows to help answer a interesting question about that country or region's culture, history, or politics. So as an example, you could have a season about Taiwan and a particular episode that is focused on answering and illuminating what Taiwanese think about Japan. We could have a season about North Korea, and one episode could be about gender roles in North Korea. We could have a season about Lebanon and have one episode be about the cultural and historiographical memory of the Lebanese Civil War. And that's something that we see as potentially able to cater to a broader worldly audience and create also a medium for more nuanced and locally informed discourse about global affairs. Oh, that sounds fascinating. We're going to have you back to talk a little bit more specifically about um, Taiwanese film. And um, before we end this episode, how can people find out more about Cinema Escapist, um, your website, your social media, and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so we are located at cinemaescapist.com. And as far as social media goes, we have a Facebook page, just search Cinema Escapist. The URL is facebook.com slash cinema escapist. No dots, no dashes. We also have a Twitter uh, that is at Cinema Escapist. Again, no dots, no dashes. And those are all great ways to get in touch with us, to see our work, and continue to join us on our journey of exploring and connecting the world through a cinematic lens. Okay, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Anthony. Thank you. I've been speaking with Anthony Cow, one of the co-founders of Cinema Escapist. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Anthony next week, when he'll be recommending films about Taiwan that represent different decades or historical events significant to Taiwan. To learn more about Anthony and Cinema Escapist, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There we'll list any links related to items mentioned in this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, tell a friend about us, or better yet, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.